0: Just a quick note before we start the show the Skype gods were not kind to us on this episode. So, uh, if the sound quality of the call in is a little shaky, I apologize. I've done my best to clean it up and I hope that it doesn't detract from the conversation that um, my guest Harry Stack and I had. uh, And I apologize about that. But, you know, we'll do better next time, I promise. And uh, I hope you enjoy the show anyway. Uh, Also, don't forget to check out the We Are Southampton page on Instagram for match day edits, polls, competitions and more be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. Matt who runs the We Are Southampton page on Instagram also does the artwork for this show and I can't thank him enough for doing that for us. So, now here's the show.
1: Adacha, Austin, Sotakis Abi. Fonte with a header
0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If this is your first time listening, I'd like to thank you for giving the show a try. Uh, if you have not done so yet, be sure to subscribe to our feed in iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you get your podcast. If you can't find the podcast in the app that you use, be sure to let me know and I will do my best to make sure that it shows up there for you for everybody that has shared the show uh the show has received a, an influx of support over the past few weeks and i just like to thank you for that please continue to do that please continue to help the show grow uh i really really do appreciate it uh, one way you could do that is by leaving a review on iTunes or Apple podcast uh if you wouldn't mind doing that if you like the show if you've been a, a listener for some time that is the i guess the number one way you can help out so thank you um, but Today's show, or this week's show, is a long one. Um, my guest, Harry Stack, and I talked for over an hour, uh, well over an hour, and the show that you're going to get is about 58 minutes of our conversation or so, and that's simply because we have a lot to talk about, with whole City going down, the rumors about Marco Silva possibly coming to the club, and, and Claude Puel leaving, uh, the seven changes Puel made at the weekend... And plus we have four matches to talk about, two uh, past and two uh, in the future here coming up soon. So there's just a lot to talk about. So I won't take up too much of your time here other than to tell you that Harry Stack, you can find him on Twitter at Harry1994. That's at harrry Y one nine nine four. Harry is a writer for the Southampton panel. I spoke with him and I really enjoyed my time with him. He's getting ready to graduate from university in Southampton right now. Uh, We talked a little bit about, uh, in addition to all the football stuff, about how he came to be a football fan um, and, and just talking to him being on the cusp of uh, you know what we consider to be like you know entering adult life it it brought back a lot of memories for me uh, having done that you know s- several years ago now so i don 't want to take up too much of your time here since my conversation with Harry Stack is quite lengthy so let 's get straight to it uh, once again. this is Harry Stack. you can find him on Twitter at h a r r r y one nine nine four He writes for the Southampton panel. he currently lives in Southampton, and uh, this is our conversation uh, from this past Sunday. I'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all the SFC fans, Harry Stack. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Harry1994. That's at Harry with three R's, H-A-R-R-R-Y, 1994. Uh, he writes for the Southampton panel, uh, goes to university in Southampton. And uh, Harry, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us.
1: No worries, mate. Nice to be here.
0: Kind of a busy week for uh, for us to talk about. Uh, there's been lots going on, everything from the manager on his way out, maybe, possibly, to a new manager, people looking at a new manager, and then also two matches to talk about and two matches to look forward to, plus the end of the season. So, plenty to give us, uh, plenty to keep us busy uh, while we're here. The match, well, before we get too far into it, um, did you get to attend the Arsenal match that was in Southampton uh, last
1: week? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I was there. Uh, I mean, did you watch the game, Matt?
0: I did, I did, except for the yeah, last 10 minutes. I, mean, I missed the, the, the Giroud goal, but other than that, I saw it.
1: I mean, the, the first half, we, we kind of seem to have a bit of a buzz about us. Um, yeah, we, we seemed to have sort of carry a bit of impetus, but the second half, I think Arsenal are renowned, especially this season or the last couple of seasons. They always start slow, but when they get going, but most of the time, their quality does shine through, and I think sort of 55, 60 minutes onwards, that was certainly the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Sanchez just proved to show his worth, and he's got he's got an excellent goal. That really, that really took took the sting out of us. And then, sort of by the time the 80th minute rolled rolled by, and Giroud stepped up, it, it, it was yeah. The second half was a shame, really. But at the same time, there's no harm in there's no embarrassment in losing to the Arsenal, is there? I don't know what you think about it, but you know, so, yeah. For, for, we, at least we, yeah, the first half was like was good. Like, so, but then the second half, Arsenal just showed their quality. To be fair.
0: Yeah, my best friend's an Arsenal fan, so it hurt a little bit. But it's—I've it's, just—I've been avoiding his phone call since the match happened, so uh, I'll have to face the music eventually. But yeah, I—I I, I think you're—you're uh, you're dead on there about. that. I mean, they're—they are a really good side, and sometimes if you can get them down, you know, they—they they don't tend to fight back so well. But uh, maybe that's the worst way I could have put that. But um, no,
1: I, don't, I don't know what you mean. I mean, Crystal Palace was a prime example of that. I don't know if you saw Crystal Palace against Arsenal about two or three weeks ago, right? Um. Palace got in there early, and Arsenal. That, without meaning to talk too much about Arsenal, that is a common thing. Like what a lot of people have identified as as Arsenal's weakness. They've got a very soft underbelly. Once you can get to them, you can you you can stay on top of them quite easily. But we, unfortunately, we didn't get the first goal. If that makes sense, and yeah, once they did, it was it was plain sailing to be to be brutally honest.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, we'll get into the the Arsenal match, but I want to ask you: You're in Southampton, going to university, but what brought you down there? You're not originally from the area, but you have kind of an interesting story about that. Would you mind sharing that with me?
1: Yeah, yeah. so basically, um, coming back about 30 years, my dad worked on ships that often sailed from Southampton. So he adopted Southampton as his team as a young man. And then growing up, like, as, as a guy, I was naturally, I would ask questions related to the when he told me he supported Southampton. And at the time, sort of at the turn of the century, we had players like Matt Lafissier coming to the end of his career, James Beattie. Mario um, Pardes was a great player to watch, and I kind of just picked them up as well because it made a change from, you know, your traditional top four playing your Spurs and and you know, so I I kind of picked up that team, went through my studies, and then as I was looking for choices of university, I saw Southampton come up, and I saw f- football studies. I knew Southampton vaguely because I would come up as much as I could with my dad as a teenager trying to watch the games, so I thought. I kind of know the area. There's a, there's a great degree on the table. I can go and watch the team that I love more often than I could living in Luton. So I just grabbed it with both hands,
0: and here I am now. Nice, and you're looking forward to graduating here just a few days. So you know, by the time yeah, this airs, yeah, you'll be well, you'll be you know two days away. I think I think it's awesome because I think a lot of times I I don't know. Sometimes I think people people definitely think it's weird that I like Southampton, living in the United States. But sometimes I think it's even more different if somebody that lives in in the UK, especially in England. Choose yeah. has Southampton as their team, even if they don't. You know, you live in Luton, then there's plenty of teams between you and there that could have made it a lot easier for you. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. But I think yeah. I think it's I think it's awesome. Thank you. And and like we said, you're you're writing for the Southampton panel. Then what kind of drew you towards the towards the writing? Uh, if I, if you don't mind me asking.
1: Um, throughout high school, like, for all my faults, I always prided myself. I always thought I was quite good at writing. People always said, whether it be in an argument or you know, presentation. I'm always quite good with my words. Vocabulary's is quite strong. So it was only because I didn't have strong enough grades throughout high school that I didn't I didn't um, follow up with some sort of written degree, like an English literature or journalism degree. Otherwise, I would have spoke like that.
0: Right. So
1: then, when I saw the opening on Twitter to just do some writing about Southampton, I thought, you know, I've got I've got a degree behind me now and. Uh, the need to fulfil my assignments has only brought on my writing. Like I haven't granted I haven't got the grades that some some proper journalist might have, but I think I've got the knowledge and I think I've I've definitely developed my writing skills enough to give it a crack. So I emailed uh Richard and he asked me to write and something he liked it and from there it's just it's just snowballed really. So yeah, here I am.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, well, thank you for doing that because between the Southampton panel and uh, you know a couple other outlets, that's you know that's where I get most of my stuff. So thanks for putting in the work there. So well, I, yeah. I, I have something to read. <laughs> yeah, because uh, no, but, uh, my my local newspaper is not writing about it. So uh. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I'd be surprised if they were.
0: Yeah, I guess going back to the Arsenal match, are you
1: are, are you a season ticket holder now? Or are you? No, and no, my my student line doesn't cover quite to a student, uh, <laughs> but I. I do. I do go to most games. One thing I do go to. I do go to virtually every under twenty three game because a large percentage of those are shown at St Mary's for free. Okay. So I go. I go to all under twenty threes, and I'd probably say I go to every other home game. So sort of maybe that probably equates to like once a month I'll go. Okay. So. I- um yeah I'll, if I don't go I'll just stream it on the internet um yeah so I, I see I see a, a lot
0: to but I mean going to the under 23 games then you have I mean you've probably seen Caceres play more than anybody else
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I probably have to be
0: fair <laughs> I don't mean to put you on the spot but how off the top of your head how many um how many matches have him and and Payet or Payet or however you say his name how many matches have they played together on, at the under 23 level
1: um, two or three. They definitely played against Chelsea. I went to watch Chelsea against Southampton twenty-three about a month ago, and honestly, no, it was it was like going to a first team game. We had Piad playing, we had Cesarez playing, Buffel was playing, Hojberg was playing. It was um, who else was playing? Uh, Matty Target was playing. Right. Florian Gardo was playing. It was it was it, was, it was crazy, but yeah, because they've really both just come back from lo- long term injuries. Cesare's and Pierce. So we to three games together in a
0: all right, because one thing I noticed, and we'll get into it more when we talk about Burrow, but one thing I noticed between them is they seem to have a, a pretty good understanding of kind of positioning and stuff like that, which is something I, yeah. I it made me it made it made sense to me to 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 swap both of them in at the same time because otherwise you're you're yeah. already slotting in a new center back and that's always you know dicey and so whatever we'll we'll talk about that though, but you were at the Arsenal match, uh, It obviously didn't go our way. We mentioned the that that Sanchez goal, which was just disgusting, you know, like there, there's, I don't know how you defend against that, but the fact that it looks really bad when we see both center backs just sliding out of the picture and then he just cuts back and, and does it. But um, the the first half hour or so, it, it seemed like we were have plenty of the ball, which, and I, I guess under Puel and, and then Arsenal at the same time, they both like to have the ball, both like to, to, to pass it around and stuff like that. But it didn't really seem like we were going anywhere. Is it, is it? Does that make no. sense?
1: Yeah, no. I, I, I think Steve Davis, as much as I champion that guy, sometimes he is, he's is the, he the epitome of what you're saying. I mean, so many times he would get the ball in mid-third, and there was there might be a gap to sort of spring forward, and he would just turn on a sixpence and he would lay it. To, he would go left, he would go, you know, yeah. That, that I think he's the epitome of what you're really saying. To be honest, Matt. it was just quite pedestrian. If you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and I, I, I really like Steven Davis. Um I'm not sure he how much longer he's gonna be, you know, viable there, but he's I think he's played pretty well this year. But it seemed like when we came out, the way we set up that it was it was supposed to be a four three three, but it often wound up being a four five one if Arsenal had the ball. And then that means that Gabby Dini's up top against three center backs and that's 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 asking a lot from a guy, you know?
1: Oh yeah. I mean I've never seen a guy look more more isolated it was. It, I felt I felt deeply sorry for him sometimes. You know, he just charging down the left-sided and the right-sided centre backs. Just not. I wouldn't say aimlessly, but uh, I felt I, my, my heart really felt for him. Honestly, it was just painful to watch at times. The, the, the gap between him and the next midfield runner, whether it be a Tadic or or, or a Redmond, was just yeah. Honestly, like, like you said, it was just he was so on it, so isolated. It was scary.
0: To his credit, he's still running the entire time he's moving he's he's running down the channels he's running off the shoulder and he's he's kind of looking at guys going like you know get me the ball and then get up here and it just didn't happen a whole lot we did we did create a couple of chances at least one where Bertrand played the ball into Tadic who I think meant to chest it down to himself and wound up just giving it to Gabbiadini. Um and then Cech made a pretty good save off of that um, that was somewhere around 30 minutes I think but I mean, did you notice anything else uh, about the way we, we we set up, or anything kind of stand out to you in that in that first half, especially?
1: Well, I mean, like, like you said, the four three three and the 5-4-1, At times, I I thought I had it just. I thought, no, this is definitely a four a one then, then I was more, you know, almost in wing back position. It was it seemed to be very lopsided. I don't know if that was a tactical decisions, perhaps. Then if they identified maybe Sandi they run out on on the Arsenal left. That's the and Murata. Then if they were sort of doubling up on him. I'm not sure, but, yeah, I didn't... I didn't think what was going on that So, So, um, they are very... And I, I really don't know what... I don't know if you've you, you, had it in the last sort of, six to ten games, especially. Uh, it, uh, it, it was It's quite difficult to watch him. At the time. Someone who has really sold and bought and two three years would have been quite very successful. Looks me, he looks for self. this season really is an understatement. I don't know what you, I don't know what you think of that.
0: I, I agree with you. It seems like since the last international break, like he wasn't playing very oh yeah, well going what, into it. Um, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. And, and he went on the international break and just lit it up, said some stuff about the what? manager, came back, had like yeah. one or two good games, and then has really just fallen off a cliff since then.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like, when I was at the game... There was a couple of moments when a ball went astray. Um, and he didn't receive the ball in a certain area, and and he, and he really seemed to lash out. But it was hard to tell. Part of me, te- part of me thinks that this was a, this was frustration with himself. You know, it's, it's a, it really is such a sh- gifted. It really sh- is it seems like he came out and he gave that article. in his diary his form has you no, know, but he's fallen off a cliff, and shows signs of weakness. Where he was now so reluctant to sell him off, I don't know if you picked up on that.
0: Yeah, no, because it, it's it, with as much as the squad rotates, you know, you would think that you, the guy who's playing really well would stay on, but you know, classy scores a goal, yeah. doesn't play for three games, Tadic um, <laughs> Is, is struggling? He's missing, you know, misses a penalty that you know doesn't really do much, and then just gets to play all game, every game, and it's it is it is frustrating from a, a, a fan perspective, I guess. But yeah, God, I mean, sometimes you wonder like what what does training look like? Does he just bury balls from from twenty five thirty yards, <laughs> curling them in all over the place, or or, or what? Maybe maybe is the world's best head tennis player or something. <laughs> You know, he's been a little frustrating, but it, it seemed like early on in the season, we were creating a lot of chances. Uh, we just didn't have a striker to finish them, uh, but we were having plenty yeah. of shots and stuff like that. And now it just doesn't seem like we're creating the chances at all. And, it, and it's it's frustrating because we moved into the that 4-2-3-1 finally after going through uh, the 4-4-2 diamond and, and uh, the 4-3-3. And it seemed like the 4-2-3-1 really suited us once we got Gabby Dini, And then all of a sudden, we we seem to have gone back to the 4-3-3 and it just doesn't seem to be working. And I don't, I don't really understand why Puel insists on kind of keeping it that
1: way. Yeah, I mean, that is that is a that is a very good like, bit of analysis to you've just before Christmas, he wasn't just lowering of chances, and we were saying, oh, if Charlie Austin was here. If he had a good striker, and now we've got that good striker, we've gone back to that that four-three-three or whatever you I don't even know what you want to call it that just doesn't really allow any fluidity or any it often causes it often results in large periods of Gabbardini in isolation and. I think it just, our misfortune at the minute, I think it just really sums up what has kind of been like a stop-start, you know, unpredictable season. Uh, it's very, very, very frustrating times.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I try not to get super upset, but it's got to be diff- difficult uh, for the fans that are there, kind of game in, game out. You know, you buy the season ticket, you show up, and it's not like everybody just lives down the street, you know. Maybe for most fans, it, 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 the, the style of play is what's frustrating about Powell, regardless of the results. But I'm not sure if I'm if I'm correct in saying that. But I, that's kind of what I've I've noticed uh, a little bit.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think right. I mean, the teams, for example, Bournemouth, uh, they're a nearby team. Uh, they, 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 yeah, they do often lose, but their fans go go home at the end of every game, very satisfied. You know, we we sometimes come away with the same results, but we played. You know, we've tried to play. We've just played sideways for ninety minutes. You know, we've we've come out from the first whistle just to try and play for the draw. It, 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 is, very, it is very, very frustrating. us. I, I see a statistic the other day: Southampton have scored seventeen or Southampton have scored seventeen or eighteen goals at home. Um, a, a season ticket is I don't know five hundred pounds. That works out with like, forty pounds a goal. I mean, I don't really know what. I don't know what part of that says value for money because I can't. I, I can't figure it
0: no, no. If we were, if our transfer policy lo- will look like that, we'd be, you know, less ready to be up, up a creek. You know, people would be even less happy with him than they already are. <laughs> did you notice anything else in, in the second half aside from the Alexis goal, which I can't really fault anybody for? I thought the pass from Moza was great. Um, I thought the turn by Alexis was awesome, and then he just, you know, he just faked our defenders out, and there he goes. But I don't know for for the Giroud goal. Did you notice anything uh, maybe about uh, about any part of that that you felt we could have done anything about, or was it just a, a good, well played by Arsenal?
1: Um, because by the time the goal went in, I can't quite remember. It was it was in the 80, It was in the last ten minutes, wasn't it? I think that the San the Sancho goal took the really did like kill any 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 last embers of momentum that we had. So our energy levels dropped. Uh, not that t- not that Tavid's energy levels were any were ever you know <laughs> on the radar, but you know. Uh, I know. I noticed even the the, the, the typically industrial, energetic Stephen Davis. Like it was kind of a, yeah, yeah. It centrally was simple area they all just switched off, and they just Arsenal just panicked in the middle of the park. But like I said, it, they they they'd lost all momentum. I mean, even the more the more energetic players like your Stephen Davises and your Bertrands, they they were struggling to to close down. It was it it just summed up a pretty a pretty poor second half, to be honest
0: yeah yeah um watching the the replay of it it seemed like it seemed like Ramsey had way too easy of a time uh to heading the ball back like nobody was really challenging um, him
1: yeah he, he, he heads it back in the left back he's in the left back area isn't
0: it yeah Is right? yeah
1: yeah yeah I remember that yeah and and Bertrand yeah, wasn't
0: anywhere near him and neither was Buffal
1: that's what i oh, I mean, even when he does hit the, even when he does get going, I don't think he's ever going to be run for, down for for as a workhorse, is Those, um, Yeah, that was. That's what surprised me about Bertrand, and I've seen a couple of a couple of other journalists pick up on it. Someone who's normally so committed to the cause, you know, one of those you can really, you know, name last name on. It, yeah, the end is just kind of catch from the day. They just they just wanted to be wanted to follow the season done and. I think him letting in that or him contributing to that goal getting conceded just kind of sums up what, what was a miserable afternoon for for ride in particular.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, you know, there, there were the stat was flying around that Arsenal hadn't won there since 2003, 2004. Um, but then, you know, you kind of got to take into the fact that we weren't in the top flight for most of that time, but still I would have liked to have, you know, beaten them because now they've that's, that's two over us this year. And I am going to have to hear it until next season. From, for my friend but whatever like you said the arsenal looked to be the better team over over the second half especially and and that, yeah. that's kind of the way that's kind of the way it ends and that, that that's okay but i guess in that match we took 14 shots which is more, more than they took we only had three on target but it just wasn't a great performance and i think having the midweek game leads us into the, the borough match having wait, middlesbrough i don't know how many miles or, or kilometers it is from southampton but it's the complete opposite end of the country correct
1: Oh, correct. Yeah, it is. It is mild, like I don't know, four or five hundred
0: miles. I, I and I thought I heard or I read somebody said like basically their day they were going to start at four a.m. to get to the match leading Southampton. I'm like, I get up at four a.m. and watch most matches then, but that's that's early, you know. Yeah. But um, and so and so going there doing that. I, I was expecting a few changes, but if you don't mind getting into the borough match, I was not expecting <laughs> just a completely new team <laughs> to show up.
1: <laughs> oh, I know, I know. I mean, that that team selection, Matt, it just it sums up Claude Puel, doesn't it? I think. I mean, I saw, I could, I anticipated one or two changes because I thought in the Arsenal game, Jay Rodriguez, he only had, sort, I don't know, ten minutes, but he imposed himself really well. He affected the game, and I thought. I thought he might nick a start, but I don't, I don't know about you, but I just don't see the method behind the Cesare start because he's not going. I don't. I hope you're wrong, but I don't think he's going to do anything to justify Les Reed and the Southampton hierarchy handing him quite a you know quite a, a, an, ex, an expensive contract. So I was, I was I was surprised to see him there. I really I really was. Um, pa, I, I haven't really seen much of him. The opening couple of games that he featured in at the start of the season. I wasn't able to get to, so I literally hadn't... He was, was just a blank canvas going into, going into that Middlesbrough game. Um, Hujberg, I'm, I'm glad he got a start. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan. Anyone that, that Pep Guardiola has spoke highly of in his career, you know, he, there's a guy that knows what he's talking about from a, being an ex-central midfielder player yeah. himself. I was excited with that. But just the, the sheer number of changes and then to put them all together and make seven, I just thought... I don't want to say unnecessary is the right word because we got the result, but... Yes, yeah, it, it was highly, highly, highly surprising. Highly
0: surprising. Didn't originally see the official Southampton, you know, post. I saw it come. It came retweeted by somebody else, and I thought it was a joke. Um, I didn't think it was the real team. I thought somebody was just having trying trying to mess with me a little bit, especially because <laughs> Caceres was on it. I was like, I didn't think Caceres was ever going to have a shot at starting. Um, but but like we said earlier, I don't know if it was before recording or after. But uh, to start Caseras and Payet together, I think makes sense after them kind of playing some under twenty three matches together. Um, but I was really starting Long in Rodriguez. I kind of figured Rodriguez would play out wide right, but it wound up being Long. He he did okay there. He ran he ran at the fullback a lot, um, and I thought I thought he he performed very very well, especially that ball that Classy played to through to him when he chipped it in for the first uh, for the first goal. I thought was was, was good, but. Just the sheer number of changes is w- was concerning, and but I guess when you think about well, yeah. that's not it's not. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want it to sound like I'm defending him really, but like I, I guess if this is if you're going to pick a game to do it, this this would be the one. I mean, you're away. You have Man United coming home midweek, and then you ha- again have Stoke. So sure, if you're going to give these guys a run out, I guess this is it. But it was yeah, you know, it, it was
1: just it was just the sheer number of them, like three or four changes I might have seen. Like yeah, okay, three or four changes, but to drop Gabby Ademi. Against the team that have already went like Gabby Dini's in a bit of a drought, not not by his own fault, but because he's been ice because he's been starved of service. But I just thought that would have been a great game. Like, go on, Gabby Dini, get yourself a couple of goals and go into the Manchester United game with a bit of a spring in your step, not to just complete.
0: Oh that, That's a really good work. point, and not honestly not something that I, I considered. You know, for him to not to be on the bench, I thought something must have been wrong. You mm. know, because I think he traveled, and to, to see him not even on the bench, I was like, man, that's that's weird. But you're right. For him to play and maybe get a goal or take some shots or whatever, just be involved and actually have yeah. some confidence going into to United would be a, a, a really, really good thing. Because um, I think if we roll out there with this lineup, we're going to be in in some trouble.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. But it's just with, with, with Claude Puel, he certainly keeps you guessing, doesn't he? You never know what you never know what's next. That's what I to say. Yeah, and that's that
0: that's not always bad, I guess.
1: <laughs> when you're when you're a little bit more high up the table, it's brilliant. But when you're you know mid table mediocrity, it's like, uh come on, come on, Claude.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be honest. I, I watched Caseras probably more closely than I watched anybody else, just because I think that's a that's a position that's maybe up for grabs. But it looked like I mean, he definitely looked like he knew what he was doing. He seemed very comfortable and composed. But he he seemed to lose the ball a, a few times um he gave the ball away and led to a free kick i think Romeu bailed him out a couple times but he made a very very early on he made a really good block um on a ball when yoshida got uh i think it was bamford got wrong side of him and uh he came over and made a block and so he seemed really really he seemed to do a good job he just maybe seemed a little bit rusty in that full-blown game situation
1: yeah i mean i don't know what you know of suzeria's career matt but he's Prior to Southampton signing him, he had actually been out of the game for a year. He had a really bad knee injury, mm-hmm. so I, th- I think coming into because I know exactly what you mean in the opening in the opening half especially there was a couple of passes, a couple of really straightforward passes that either went straight to the opposition or there wasn't enough weight on them. And I think that was just that was just competitive game rustiness. Like I know you can, he's played you know three, four, five under twenty three games, but you can't quite replicate that that intense. In-game situation that you get in a league fixture in a under 23, so I think I think that was just that was just rustiness, like you said. But numerous reporters say it as, as what, what I was thinking. You, you didn't really notice he was there. Granted, uh, Middlesbrough didn't have a lot to do until the last 20 minutes, but I think he's. If you look at the pedigree of the team he's paid for, that. He's, him, he's his his of the game is ability to blocks and shirts. I think we've really if we can get him fit. I think it's not too late. If anyone can get him fit, he can play a fullback as well. It was really, really hard to support that. yeah. I think
0: we've just left it too late. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy, the guy is has a pedigree and a quality that are, are definitely there. I noticed as I was watching him, he there were a couple of times he was more advanced even than Yoshida, um, kind of playing almost in line with Romeu at a lot of times, and and looking to play passes forward and be kind of more aggressive. And a couple of times, he did give the ball to uh, Payet, or Pae, or however you say his name, who was just looking to get forward a lot. And it was really, really kind of good to see that we, there was some attacking down that, that right-hand side that Caceres did kind of, I think, assist and play a part in. Didn't necessarily lead to a goal, but it definitely did did help.
1: Yeah. He, you can tell he's very much in the Virgil van Pit mold. You know, the one that he likes to bring the ball out and try and play, try and start things from the back? Yeah. And I think you can definitely Payet. As far as I know, he used to he used to be a, uh, a right midfielder, and you can definitely see that attacking impetus in his play. The way he naturally just will always he'll always be further forward. And if you look at his opposing left back, he's always naturally forward. And with his like, kind of chemistry he's got going on with his areas because of the under 23s and whatever, But it's definitely a partnership that that would be good to have. It's just a shame. I can like to reiterate that I don't think we're going to see. For so them, next season. I don't, know, I don't know what you think about that, but I'd be very
0: surprised. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he stuck around. It could maybe depend on what happens with Van Dyke, though. If Van Dyke goes go somewhere else, then maybe maybe we try a little harder to hang on to him. Um, but yeah.
1: what, 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 what's your gut instinct about Van Dyke?
0: I thought when he got injured that that meant we were gonna we were gonna get to keep him for next season. I thought that that would buy us another season with him. But right now, I'm not feeling super confident about keeping him.
1: I think I think you're right. I've I've I spoken to many of my folks. I, I think that's the exact, the exact. I'm not the exact same view. I think that that injury. The time has sneakily flown by. He's been out since the turn of the year, so I think the sort of the sort of price tag that's being labelled at him. I don't think a team. I don't think you can justify that. Oh, there's 50 million for a player that hasn't played in six months. By the time the transfer will go through, so I, I think we'll, we'll just get away with it this year. Sure.
0: I really hope so because that. I mean, that guy is just. Ridiculous, and having having a guy that is willing, like you said, to bring the ball out of the back and and even make a run forward if they give him space, and and he can hit a free kick too. So it's, I mean, he's just, yeah. he is really the complete player. And you know, sometimes people are like, yeah, you know, Virgil van Dijk, one of the best defenders, and like in the in the Premier League, I'm like, one of, and and like maybe one of the best defenders in Europe. Like, you know, he's just he's maybe one of the best players in Europe. I think he's he's that good. So maybe that's just because he plays for us.
1: Yeah, um, but when you see him live, it's just like it's like going to watch. An under-15s game, and there's like a, there's like a 20-year-old playing in it, and it's just he's he's like he's so dominant, even from a, a defensive position. Not very really often you can see a, a defensive player dominate a game. You know, you'd normally look to your so who can take the pace of it. But you know, watching Van Dyke it really is something. It's, it's actually a, it's a privilege, you know. It really is. I I
0: don't know. I, I I like I said. I hope we hang on to him, but I'm not not feeling super confident right now.
1: Keep the faith, Matt.
0: Keep the faith. All right. I I will. I will. You're making me feel better about it, so it's good. (laughs) Um, We talked a little bit about the first goal, but um, what did you make of of Jordy Classy's performance yesterday? Uh, He he played that ball through for the first goal for for long, and I thought he, of the three midfielders, I thought he had maybe the best game.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's done very well to... Like, cast your mind back to the West Brom game and he scored the goal. He's done very well to almost pick up where he left off because he's had a few games out the side considering he got the match winner he's kind of been frozen out again he's, um, I was very impressed with him, the way he, the, the, he's, he's, he can dictate play very well his, part, his range of passes is second to none I feel like you know, being Dutch is kind of what you'd expect yeah he was very very impressive he, his ball retention was fantastic um, yeah he, he, sadly though I, I don't see a future for him the that's kind of that's a, said with a very heavy heart. I'm a huge fan of him. I tracked him from his days at Feyenoord like years ago. But he, he's very, he's very, he's very slender. Like I think for the same reasons why James Watt Prowse struggled as a central areas because he's very, because he's quite a small, a small guy. Gets get, get, barred, get barred off the ball. And I know that's not always the case. You know, sizes and everything. But I just think with him in particular, coupled with Prowl's constant rotation, I just don't think he's ever going to get that momentum to grow uh, as a player and, in, and into our side. But,
0: yeah, yesterday I thought
1: it was a great, great performance, and a, a great way to pass, and he, he worked very well in tandem with um, Hoysberg and... Was it more Prowse in the middle with him?
0: Yesterday it was Hoyberg,
1: Romeo and Classy. Yeah, um, yeah, Romeo, sorry, yeah. He worked, they worked very well with three, and, yeah, I was, I was very pleased to see him because so, so often you see a player... It's very easy. It's very, it's very hard to build momentum, but it's very easy to lose it. But for him to go straight back in that side and pick up where he left off and pull the strings and pass it left and right. Yeah, I was, I was, I was really impressed with. That.
0: Yeah, and I guess I've been a little bit more critical of classy. I haven't, I haven't seen maybe what I, I guess what I expected from him. And I, I think part of it is, is his size. And I, it's tough to, you know, really assert yourself in the midfield sometimes when you get some of those guys in there that are just, just bigger than you, you know. Um, yeah. But he, I mean, he's not afraid to tackle. He can pass, like he said, uh, extremely well. I, I think it was just maybe a strength thing for me that I didn't really think he could he could hold his own in there. But yesterday he kind of proved. I think playing maybe that four three three suits him a little better than playing that second holding midfield role.
1: role you know. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like the the extra man gives him less defensive responsibility. He, he's made for a three, but not many other not many other of our players are. Do you know what I mean? So
0: yeah, I yeah. I think we
1: might have, I think yeah. I think sadly he will he will go, which is a real shame. But yeah, needs must. I guess. Do you think he'll? Do you, you he Do you think he'll be at the, the opening day for next season?
0: No, no. I think he'll be one of the guys that that goes. Um,
1: yeah. Just
0: I mean, he's he's kind of at that age. He's got to play, and he's not really getting the game time here. That he, I think he deserves and not necessarily that i want to see him start every single match but i think he's got to go somewhere where he can play whether that's um somewhere else in europe or uh the championship or or just another team in the premier league i think he, he's got to move on yeah
1: i, I think he goes back to, to holland i think the, the time on the ball and the tempo and everything i think i think holland two, two, so yeah uh, i wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to, to, to a final that's right to the night
0: yeah yeah talked about a first goal the second goal uh halftime we saw a change which i thought was you know it didn't sound earlier like you were su- a super big fan of buffal necessarily he didn't seem like he had a great a great match yesterday um uh, a few moments of brilliance but once again kind of losing the ball or making errant passes or whatever but he was subbed off at halftime for for redmond what did you make of redmond's performance in in the second half
1: um good very 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 good guy excellent energy down that left-hand side um, and obviously a remarkable goal, like a really good, even the build-up play was very good to that and it was, normally Redmond has a tendency to sort of pass the ball into the net, a lot, a lot of his finishes are just along the floor but he really put some venom behind that and he's got some good height on it, um, looked to take on his man, yeah, he, I was very I was very impressed with Redman, like, he's someone who, he's had a great second half to the season but he's never, he's no Sadio Mane you know, which is kind of like the sort of, the replacement he was brought in for if you like, but, yeah, I was I was very impressed with him. Surprised to see him on the bench, actually, because, like I said, he's been definitely one of our better players in the second half of the season. Yeah. But, yeah, coming off the bench, he was definitely a lot fresher than, than anyone on that pitch. I think it really shows with, with the skill set, you
0: know. Yeah, yeah. And I think, honestly, I, I think uh, Bertrand plays better when he's in the side. When when it's Bertrand and right. Redmond on that left side, Bertrand tends to play better because I think they have that understanding um, uh, of what is expected. And, and he... Uh, the announcers here, uh, the commentators, uh, pointed out that Bertrand kind of sucked the fullback inside with him on that on that play and gave Redmond that space. And then well, that, sh- that shot from Redmond was just ridiculous. I mean,
1: it was really, really good. It's not very often you see him kind of hit in the top corner, do you? We always normally go to like daisy Cutters along the floor. But yeah, it's a really good connection. And him playing on the left hand side, obviously being naturally right footed, like you said, it works in tandem so well with Bertrand because he cuts inside he was drag one defender with one way and then you've got Birkin baking an overlapping run. And yeah, it, it's a really good partnership and I think if going to mess around with his change in his team the last couple of games of the season, one thing he shouldn't do is, is, is adjust that left-hand side because I think that's kind of the only real solid base we've got in the team at the minute.
0: I, I agree, I agree. That, those are the two guys I want playing with each other. If you're going to take one of them yeah. out, take both of them out and then put them both on at the same time and let them go wreak yeah. havoc. But yeah, you know I, I don't think buffal playing over there is is gonna work no. nearly as much as, as it as it might anything else that you noticed late on in the game i guess we still have a couple uh things that to talk about but after redmond came on and scored uh what else in the in the match kind of stood out for you because it seemed like we we were definitely on the front foot still we were definitely had control of the match and then there was uh you know uh, one more incident kind of where i think we could have sealed it and we just didn't quite do it
1: yeah, I mean the Redman goal went in just before the hour, didn't it? And then Shane Long gets the penalty, and we think, oh, he's going he's to get—he's had a rough season. He's had a good game, so this penalty will justify his, get, his good game. He then misses the penalty again, just like in the after games. Sort of around the hour mark, we switch off. We're on the beach. Bamford scores his goal, and then I thought, for the last twenty minutes, considering when we were playing a team already relegated, I thought that it, it was quite uncomfortable. It was a bit awkward. I thought. Surely not. We're not going to squander this. Surely, but you could see—that's what you could do. You could definitely see some nerves in certain players. You know, um, I think our recent form, the worries of the recent form, got on top of a few players. Passes are going astray, and yeah, I think for the last twenty minutes, we were definitely made to—we were definitely made to fight for it or work for it. sorry.
0: yeah, and I—I I think if we—if if the penalty goes in, the game is over. You know.
1: Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah.
0: And Brad Guzan. You know he's American. I'd like to you know really stand up for him, but and the last two teams you played for have been relegated. It, it kind of shows where you're at. And now you're you go off to the MLS. And that that his decision to come and challenge Long on that ball was was just ridiculous. The Long's going to beat the center back to the ball, but he's going to have no angle, and the center back's going to be able just to either kind of see him out of bounds or force him out wide or whatever. And then and then in comes Guzan who gets kicked in the face in the process, and he deserved it, um, but. I don't know. I, it seemed like uh, beginning of the year we had some, some controversy taking penalties. You know, guys are arguing with each other and stuff like that. Um, but then Long steps up to take this one and it just, I don't know. He, he missed it. But,
1: but, and it then, summed up think season, didn't it?
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that that is the key is that, that that's about how Shane Long's season is gone and I don't think it's going to change. Um, yeah. Uh, with, you know, with only two games left, I, I'd be surprised if he gets, I'd kind of be surprised if he gets another start. Um, yeah. But,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I am a Shane Long fan. Like, for all, like, you know, they're saying it's not his season. I, it's not been a lot of Southampton players' seasons. So, to, to, lay, to lay all the blame, it's like a player like Shane Long. It's, you know, for, for all his faults, for all his difficulties in front of the goal this year, one thing you can never question with Shane Long is, is his endeavour, his commitment, his cause for the team. I, I noticed it in the Arsenal game and on Saturday. He's been playing in, in, a, in a wide role in when you look at players like Joe, who are a bit more flexible and more prone to playing on the on the wings, for C Shane Long, I thought I thought he I thought he'd done it very 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 well in the Manchester to And far the penalty miss Wednesday, uh, Middlesbrough on Saturday was definitely one of his better games.
0: This yeah, I think early on in the season he was placed out wide, and I didn't think he did a good job. I don't, I don't think maybe his ball control is good enough. Like I don't think he's going to beat a player off the dribble and then get a cross in. I I see more of, of him kind of getting through on the break and being able just to. To have a shot, um, but yesterday right. he he showed that he can you know get the ball into the area and and he used his pace very very well and uh, hats off to him for the performance yesterday because I didn't really expect it from him and I was actually expecting Rodriguez to play out wide um, but it, it seemed yeah, like right. seemed like it was the it was the proper call when, when when all said and done
1: yeah where where do you stand Matt with uh, with Jay Rodriguez
0: see he got injured like right around the time I started watching so I never got to experience full-fledged J-Rod running all over people and, yeah. and being amazing. But uh, I've watched highlights and I've seen that stuff. I'm not sure he's going to be around next year either. I think that – I think him – if I had to choose between him and Long, I would probably keep Long. Um, really? I think so. I think just the the difference in style from Long to Gabbiadini, I think that the change up there to bring Long on, I, I think it's, it gives teams something else to think about, whereas I think J-Rod uh, and Gabbiadini are going to be more similar. Uh, but uh, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, that that is, that is a very good but yeah, spot on. Yeah, awesome. but, uh, selfishly, as a selfishly, if I was the manager in charge, I would want to keep um, J Rod because I think he's a better striker. However, like you said, with, with Shane Long offering 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 something a plan B, if you like, and his return, J Rod's never put those twenty games together that he needed to to get rid of that rustiness that he, that he would have surely brought up after such a like, a long period out of the game. He kinda of, he gets two games here and then five games there and then two games there and then half an hour there. It's all in drips and drabs it's not fair on the guys because he showed so much promise just before his injury. He needs to just go and play football and you know fight like it sounds very corny and very cliche but just forward up of the game again and just rediscover his warmth and so, with it there somewhere there I mean, is. He is a, a very good player for the Premier League. So I think he just needs to go off to Blackville West Brom, um, someone else in our sort of in our mini league can just and just score goals again. Shane Long he would he like happily be a squad player, but he, he he he's the sort of player he's not he's not gonna moan, is he? We can get away with putting him on the bench for two thirds of the season and bringing him on and giving him a run.
0: Yeah, and I think Long's further along in his career, so he yeah. he's kinda gotta understand that his role is going to be more and more limited no matter where he goes. Whereas I think Rodriguez probably feels he deserves to be or should have a chance to be maybe the starting striker for for a lot of even Premier League teams. Um, yeah, I, I guess one thing that I would I would like to say is that kind of J Rod's injury. If if Luke Shaw's injury at Man United is any kind of uh, that, that any indicator of what can happen when you have a really really good player who gets injured and then it doesn't get the game time. Um, you know, you, you kind of just stagnate and not and not really get back to where you need. And I don't want to see that happen to Rodriguez. Um, kind of the way it's happened to to Shaw at Man United.
1: Yeah, uh, that, mate, that's a, I couldn't have put it better myself. the way, yeah, you know, such a fledging career was just kind of, it's just kind of stalled now, hasn't it? And it's just kind of like, where is it, where is this thing going? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. For sort of, yeah. the sort of, sort of, sort of, a good guy, and sort of take this, I, would, I would let James go and, like with no hard feelings.
0: The only other thing I, I I would say about that that goal that we gave up to 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 burrow was, uh, in the early on in the, in the game, there were a couple of corners and crosses that Forrester came for. He came through traffic. He claimed it and it just kind of takes the question, you know, out of it. And what I saw on that, on that Bamford goal was Forrester was rooted to his line again. And I've said, I've said in the past, like, I want to see him being six, seven, like go through somebody, you know, no people are going to bounce off you. You're not bouncing off anybody else. Um, so come get the ball and stuff like that. And I don't know, I don't know where what your feelings are on, on Forrester and his, kind of uh season but uh, did you notice anything kind of that way or, or am i just being overly critical
1: no, no. <laughs> so uh firstly i just want to say Matt, i'm guessing this he very much dif- divided, divided opinion amongst saint fans um i am the most pro Fraser the fourth guy i've got a shrine of him on my wall like i worship that he's a man mountain he's he's a, he's a, he's one of the league's best goalkeepers like He's just having a shaky season. But, at the same token, what you're saying is true. Like, he did strike, he, he did stay, stay very rooted to his spot when some very inviting crosses were whipped in early on. And I think he'd never, you know, he got into that bad habit, the corner comes in, Bamford gets a good, he got a little, good little flick on it, if I remember, remember it rightly. But, yeah, it, 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 he didn't cover himself in glory, Fraser, um, which is annoying after such a good penalty save against Liverpool last weekend. You thought, here he is. But
0: yeah, it was very frustrating. Yeah, and but to give him some credit, there were a couple. Like I think Callum Chambers towards the end of the match hit a ball yeah. really, really like he hit it well. Yeah. And uh, I think Forrester saw it late, but he got down and he he blocked it and he blocked it away from everybody. Um. So that was good. And I think he had another a, a, another decent save. Um. Earlier in the match from a similarly like struck ball. And so you know overall he did he did he had a pretty good game. It was just that one. It's like he hesitates to come off the line sometimes, and I and I guess I just don't understand why.
1: Mm, it's, it's annoying as well because, you know, Middlesbrough don't score literally any goal. And <laughs> I, see a, I see a statistic the other day that Southam- Southampton as a club, not necessarily forced open oh, I don't know if played every league game, but we've got the fourth most clean sheet in the league. So that was put that would have thought going to Middlesbrough, even if we just do our typical draw nil-nil, that, that's another clean sheet in the bank. But... Yeah, I'm guess I bet no one would have been more frustrated than, than the big man to come away from that game having let one in because that that should have been a gimme. That should have been a clean sheet in the bag, but annoyingly it wasn't.
0: Yeah, so it, had we kept a clean sheet yesterday, uh, Fraser Forrester would have been tied, I think, for second mm. in the league really? with with 14 clean sheets. That's
1: right. Yeah, that's
0: right. But but because we gave up a yeah. goal, we're at 13. Oh, sorry, he's um. He's fourth right now, so we would have been. He would have been tied for third, because uh, you got Côtois, Lloris, De Gea, and then Forrester. I mean, that's that's pretty good company, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sometimes I I just I want to go crazy. I I, I go onto Twitter after a game and I just put in Saints and I look at all these Southampton fans, and they just they rip Fraser Forrester apart, and I just think, how can you be so fickle? This is a man that, on top of like Ronald Koeman's tactical genius as last season and Pochettino's pressing the, Years for that. this is a man that has, like, won us games multiple times. That like he, As part of being a fan, you've got to stick through players <laughs> in their bad times. And this isn't even a bad time. It's just a, a quiet period in his career. And this is a, a goalkeeper that is, like, borderline at times world-class. So this isn't just, this isn't Coco Martina that's having a bad spell We go we should be going, oh, come on, guys. Let's just stick with it. This is, like, England's number two. This is a fantastic goalkeeper, like, Um. I thought someone put on Twitter not too long ago. We need to sell Forster because he doesn't play in a Southampton Way, and I'm just thinking, like, what on earth is this Southampton Way, and who are we to say, like, we can't have it in good thing- number two, you know. Really, that was a that's that's, that's another day. That's another argument, like, another day. But yeah, just wanted to express my love
0: for Fazer. No, no, that, that's that's totally acceptable because I've been I've, I've been fairly critical. I've been a little critical, um, but I, I still <laughs> I still think that he I haven't been one of these people that he needs to he needs to be out and he needs to be you know benched or whatever. But I've been kind of you wait and you wait and like I said that 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 match against Arsenal where he just made save after save after save and it was just like. That guy is amazing, and then you you fast forward to this year with Joe Hart going to Italy, and you go like, this could be the year that Fraser Forster goes. I'm going to be England's number one, you know. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm I guess I'm more disappointed that he hasn't done that than I am um, calling for his 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 job. I guess. Yeah, that,
1: yeah that's a very good valid point to say that. I think I think some of it, some of his you know, we were saying indecisiveness. In I think that hasn't been helped with obviously not having. Virgil in front of him, it I, I can only imagine to be so authoritative and so, so this just deals with like so much. I bet he makes his life so much easier, you know. So without him, he probably gets put under a little bit more scrutiny, you know, face with a face of one or two more shots that he wouldn't like, one or two more crosses that Virgil would normally head out. So I'm guessing it's just a period of adjustment, you know. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, I think you know you you go from having Font and, and Van Dyke there, like you said, and that's a lot of that's a lot of experience, a lot of leadership, and then all of a sudden your your backline is kind of lacking that when you when you insert Yoshida, who has been a, a fringe squad player, um, and then Stevens, mm. who hasn't really been in the senior team for for very long, and all of a sudden now you're the guy that's got to make all those decisions and be be ordering people around, and I just don't think I just don't think maybe his that part of his game was there yet, and it, it's coming along, but it's it's just not it wasn't there yet.
1: Yeah, that's, that's 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 very very true. You know, since Fraser has been at Southampton, he's always had a very a very consistent back ball, whether it be Fonte and Virgil or Fonte and all the Barrels. Sure, it's always been very set. This is the first time he's been there. It's not been very settled. On top of like what has been quite a destructive season. So I think it's given time. And this is this is simply just a, a bit of a a bit of a bad spell for him. It's definitely something that he's got the mental strength. He's, he's proved to have the mental strength to come back from a very, very nasty injury. So I'm sure this is just a stage in his career that so many other goalkeepers go through. He'll definitely come out the other side. Of it. All right. And then I,
0: I guess the, the kind of the last surprise of the whole thing was uh, was Austin coming off the bench. I mean, he didn't play for very long. And I'm not going to say he, had, he played a huge part in, in the match. But uh, uh, for me, it was just good to see him kind of come on and, and get a few minutes in and kind of get his legs back under him a, a little bit. You know, it was only, what, like five, ten minutes
1: yeah, it it was it was a nice surprise. I didn't see anything. I didn't even read anything. See, like I was like, whoa, what did
0: it? Yeah. So I mean, that was really the the, the last kind of surprise for me, or a good thing to see. But it seemed like you know, yesterday looking at the lineup and everything else, if that was going there was going to be a game where he was going to come in. Yeah, if you could have put some money on him coming into the game <laughs> when the lines came out, I would have said, yeah, go for it. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. it'll be interesting to see, isn't it? Like, incorporate him and Gabby Adini.
0: Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see if we can do that. I'm not quite sure the system that fits that. If that you, you gotta play with two strikers, I guess, and that means probably the four four two again. Um which didn't didn't really work. And I don't I don't, but I don't know I don't know how else you know Powell sees them them playing together. So we'll we'll see.
1: I mean, just because we don't think it'll work, doesn't mean it's just Claude Powell talking like he will he will probably still have a tendency to just play it anyway. You know, yeah, but, yeah, <laughs> it
0: so <laughs> yeah. It's so, not he, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem to care all that much what we think. Or <laughs> <laughs> um, and speaking of, of Claude Puel, I guess I guess the borough match to, to wrap that up. You know, we we get, we take away the points. We're level on points now with with West Brom. We're behind on goal difference, but we have one game in hand still. We could overtake them uh, and finish eighth, which would kind of make us. I don't want to, this sounds bad, but like the best of the rest, you know, we're, we're outside of the top, yeah. you know, uh, the mini league at the top. Um, and I guess Everton are kind of sitting where I think they belong, but I think that would put us there and that it could kind of hide all the the cracks that are there, you know, the the, the areas where we're not as strong. But uh, does that make sense? I don't know. I feel like I'm struggling to get that out.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, you, uh, you took, all. First thing I wrote for Richard was like a mid season review, and I remember writing at the time. I don't, I don't really have an opinion on Corporal. Well. He doesn't, at the time, he didn't make me say, ah, oh, sack him, sack him, but at the same time, I was never championed for him to stay. And funnily enough, like four or five months later in in, in May, and I'm, I'm still kind of on the same viewpoint because, on one hand, a bit, how much better actually. Like, who do we think we are? Just, just, just playing devil, Devils advocate. But then, yeah. on the other hand, I have played literally driven It's it not watching pack Drive. Like, it's poor. Um, we're only 4-3 or 4 points, like 15, For so the table who's misleading. But then, yeah, and like you said, it does paper, like lead cut the lead-cut final and the eighth position. It does paper, like, paper over a few packs. So even now, I'm, I'm not... I, I don't really have. If he gets sacked, kind of, I can see both sides. I got trying kind say, I, each day, you know, everyone deserves a bit of time, like nothing here to build.
0: But if he goes, I'm not
1: gonna, I'm not gonna be that uproar Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, I, I,
0: I can see it going both ways. He might just be looking around and saying, like, this just isn't for me. You know, like this isn't a good fit, and I'm yeah. gonna go back to France where I'm, you know, maybe more comfortable and and where you know the tactics may, might might work a little bit better but i think i think for people the the style of football that we've been playing lately has been the big setback or drawback for puel um you make that many changes you don't make it exciting that 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 makes it tough to that makes it a tough sell for people um whereas i think if but then again i think some people are going to always look to criticize the manager to where if we're playing super open and leaving ourselves open they're just going to point to that and go well you know he's a premier league manager why can't he fix that but um you know, it's it's tough and I don't I don't wanna I don't wanna paint him in a bad light, but you know, he's 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 frustrated me a little bit, but you know, you gotta give him you gotta give him a chance, I think. And I I, I honestly don't think he'll go. I think he'll stay. And it'll make some fans I yeah. think upset. But um overall I think that's that's probably what'll happen. But we'll we'll see.
1: Yeah. I, I, I my gut instinct is that he will prob- probably stay as well.
0: If Claude Puel goes, it seems like we're, the, the, one, the person we're most linked with is is Marco Silva. And it was written about in The Independent, and it was written about um, by, I think, Luke Osman or somebody else from the um, Reed Southampton. And so uh, what what are your thoughts on, on, on Marco Silva uh, coming into, in, into Southampton? Do you think that would be a, a decent fit or, or no?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you'd have asked me, Matt, uh, eight days ago, I would have said, yeah, you know, he, he looks. It, it, I would have said, I'm a bit in your hand off. Then, well, not biting your hand off, but I would have been a lot more enthusiastic about it. I mean, if you look at his last two results, so, you know, to get beat against Sunderland at home is just, you know, that should be worth three losses. It's that bad. That really is terrible. And then, in a crunch game today against Palace, they just get battered four nil. I don't know. It, it would it would be a very Southampton's wh- wh- whatever Southampton do, there always seems to be is it always to be very methodical. Like there's always a long thought process behind it. You know, the scouting system is like it's so they go to such lengthly degree it's like it's incredible it Is that normally they're a general appointment. So for someone in Southampton to just Marco oh, Silva oh, now and say, Oh, you have ten good games from January to April he, you know. I just don't think it's it, Southampton, like he, he's played some really good attacking football. His home form, albeit against the Sunderland result to one side, his, his home form at Hull um, and in Greece and in even his Portugal days, it, he obviously he knows how to get a team going and perform in front of their hand, So I can see that side of things, but it would be it would be quite a hasty move. I would often look at um, Slavi uh, Slavia Jovanovic. Y- yeah, I think that's how you say his name. But the the fuller manager in the Championship. I don't know if you've seen anything of him.
0: Just a little bit.
1: Yeah, he he his team's man, They have the, free scores. They really are. They they play some marvellous football. And I think with a better calibre of player, I think I think he could. I think I think he would be a very good a very appointment. But you know, you know that, that's like your manager that's a managerial appointment. That's a conversation. Enough of that has been written about already.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Um, I just felt like we had we had to at least bring it up. Otherwise, we'd you know people would be yeah. like, are you would, are you. Would, are,
1: would you, are you would, 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 would
0: you take uh, Silva? If Puel goes, yes. Um, but if you yeah. had to ask me, I, and I guess the thing with with uh, with Silva is that he did, you know, what he did with Hull wasn't. If you just look at the results and say like, well, you got relegated, it wasn't all his fault because he was given, you know, just a, a flaming bag of poo when he got there. But um, he he did maybe so much with so little that I can imagine he can do much, much better if he was at a club that is as yeah. as big as Southampton with the players we have, you know? Um
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: But but overall I think I think he's still gonna have a pretty defensive mindset, you know, whole were pretty they they didn't concede a whole lot of goals at home and they're gonna look to hit on the counter. So it might wind up being kind of similar in terms of uh the the football that we see. Um you know, if Puel went, I would take him. If I'm given the choice between just sticking with Puel or, or go or moving to Silva, I'd probably stay with Puel.
1: Yeah, that. I think that's, that's probably what is going to happen. Isn't it? I think more than likely. But
0: yeah, I think are are we good with the the manager kind of conversation? I think we're.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Um, anything else that kind of stands out to you that you would like to talk about?
1: Um, no, I think we think we've covered everything quite. A bit.
0: All right, well, um, just kind of thinking about your, your university situation. Um, yeah. You're going into, this is a group project you have coming up, like, for your final thing, right?
1: Yeah. All
0: right, so if you had to have a, a Saints player to kind of bring, you know, th- bring the flash drive with the report and uh, presentation on it, who's the one Saints yeah. player you maybe trust with that, that job in your
1: group? Oh, wow. Uh Probably probably Stephen Davis. Probably Stephen Davis. Just because you've got, there's only so much you can tell by Who's an off the field, but I think he he's been his personality is just like it is That he's a hard working a hard individual. Whereas like if I got paired with someone like Tad Hitch, I think on day one if things didn't go to plan it would just, it would be like Doing the presentation, be like the
0: presentation on, on my own. Do you know, yeah, yeah, no, I, I understand, I understand. And then uh, the other only person I thought would be Rameau because he's just going to protect that thing with his life, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all, all him actually. Yeah, I, ju- I, just went for Davis just because of a language barrier. I'm guessing his English is a little bit. Better.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> there's there's a good. Oftentimes, you know, people here, you graduate college, you have, uh, you know, you got a, you have a party of some sort uh, who would you put in charge of your playlist for your party uh, to do all the music? If you were going to have one, uh,
1: who would I put in my music? Maybe, maybe Van Dyke, maybe Van Dyke. Yeah. I think, I think I'd go, uh, yeah, I think I'd say, I think, Oh no, no. Ryan Bertrand, because I, I, I saw Ryan Bertrand on a night out about a year ago. Um, in a nightclub like playing and he was dancing to the same music that I was dancing to so I can only assume that we have the same taste in music so okay. yeah I would pick
0: yeah I think I think that's a good shout and then I, he might even be involved with somebody in some sort of record something uh, some of his friends maybe because it, it, he seems to post a lot of music on, on social media on Instagram and stuff him and him and Redmond both um, seem to be always doing something with music having a good time so I think that I think those are uh, those are good choices there <laughs> um
1: yeah I, I, I think i see what you, see what you mean actually matt I, I did see him in a music video ages ago uh bertrand actually yeah i think you're onto something there
0: so unless you got something else um you know thanks thank you for coming on i, I know it's like i know it's getting late i know you're a college student but it's still it's still late i appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate your time and uh
1: yeah no worries, it's been good all right, man,
0: and and definitely, uh, you know, I, I wish you the best as you as you move on towards graduation, and uh, hopefully, you still do this, and we can we can maybe do this again.
1: Yeah, we'll speak soon. Yeah, we'll
0: speak. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. All right, man. All right, man. Have a good night, and I'll talk to you later.
1: You too. Great talking to you. Speak soon.
0: Thank you. You too. Bye. That was my conversation with Harry Stack. You can find him on Twitter at Harry1994. That is Harry, H-A-R-R-R-Y, 1994. You can find his work at the Southampton panel. We'd like to thank Harry for joining the show. I know the last week of university can be stressful and time-consuming and all that stuff. So I hope that he uh, enjoyed, hopefully it was a relaxing experience being able to talk about saints and just kind of uh, enjoy the time. I hope you enjoyed it because I did. So, and I hope you did too, because that's kind of the point of the show. If you don't enjoy it, then it's not great. Um, if you did enjoy it and you have been listening to the show for some time and you continue to enjoy the episodes, please consider leaving your review on iTunes. Uh, and if this is your first time listening, or maybe you're, you're, you don't subscribe, you just kind of download each episode individually. Uh, you can save yourself some hassle and, and help the show out by subscribing to our feed, wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google play, TuneIn radio, literally wherever you get your podcast. And if you can't find it where you want it, let me know. And I will attempt to get it there. So thank you uh, all so much for doing that. I, I truly do appreciate it. I appreciate your time and you know, we're heading into the final week of the Premier League season. We have two matches, one against United, uh, one against Stoke. United probably looking forward to the Europa League final. Stoke probably just wants the season to be over as they continue to free fall down the table. Hopefully we put in two good performances. Hopefully the the atmosphere around St. Mary's propels the team to two victories because there's nine and a half million pounds to be claimed between us and West Brom. And right now the difference in that is a Shane Long miss penalty and a, uh, you know, us switching off at a corner but you know, Hey, we've had plenty of chances to move the table. We just didn't take them. Hopefully we can take a few, uh, over the next two games to kind of make sure we we do that. So uh, that is pretty much it for this episode. It's been a lengthy one and I appreciate you uh, sticking with it. And I just want to let you know that we will be back with episodes next week and into the summer. If you're interested in uh, taking part in the show next week, I would like to get some different perspectives on the season. So if you have kind of some strong thoughts on the season, or you just want to call up and, and chat, uh, uh, do that. Let me know on Twitter and I will set up a time with you to, uh, to chat. I'm not just going to open up the Skype phone lines cause I don't think we're quite ready for that yet, but uh, I would love to chat with you and, uh, get your thoughts on the season. And, uh, hopefully we'll get uh, a number of callers in number of different perspectives so that we can, uh, have a kind of a well-rounded, uh, final episode of this premier league season before we come back with transfer stuff and, uh, you know, whatever the summer brings. So uh, I think that's it. I think, uh, I think that's it. I can't I just want to say one more time. Thank you for listening. Uh, thank you for sharing the show, supporting the show, all that stuff. I really do appreciate it. And, uh, until next time together, we march on.